This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Hi friends, Stacy here. I am so glad to be spending this time with you today. My prayer today is that you would know joy. Joy to the marrow of your bones. The scriptures say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Sometimes that eludes me and I don't even understand it. But today, May we not only understand it, may we experience it as we turn our gaze once again to the source of our joy, to our Jesus. So welcome. Here we are in the Christmas season. Actually, we're in the season of Advent. Advent is the season that precedes Christmas. It's a season of hope. And expectation. And I'd like to talk about that today. It's also a season of waiting, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. The definition of Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a quote that I really like. He wrote, The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Goodness, isn't that all of us? Yes. Matthew Kelly wrote, God of hope, I look to you with an open heart and yearning spirit. During this Advent season, I will keep alert and awake listening for your word, and keeping to your precepts. My hope is in you. And that hope is expressed in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Yes, God. Advent is the season of reflective preparation for Christ's nativity at Christmas and Christ's expected return in the second coming. The season of Advent lasts four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This year, 2023, the first Sunday of Advent was December 3rd, and the last Sunday is December 24th, Christmas Eve. So let's just do a little bit on the history and meaning of Advent because it's really cool. Most of you know the Advent season focuses on expectation, and most of us think that it serves only as an anticipation of Christ's birth. That's part of the story, but there's so much more to Advent. The word Advent, yes, is derived from the Latin word, let's say it, Adventus, meaning coming. And scholars believe that in the 4th and 5th centuries, particularly in Spain, Advent was a season of preparation for baptism, the baptism of new Christians. And they did it at the January Feast of Epiphany. And the celebration was 
um, all around the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus found in Matthew 2.1. It was around his baptism in the Jordan River by John and his first miracle at Cana. And during this season of preparation, Christians would spend 40 days, there's that number, in penance and prayer and fasting to prepare for the celebration. Originally, there was no connection between Advent and Christmas. But by the 6th century, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. It's not a hard leap to make. But the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger in Bethlehem, but his second coming in the clouds as the judge of the world. The Advent season was not explicitly linked to Christ's first coming at Christmas for almost a thousand more years. Who knew? Well, someone did because I looked into it. The Advent season, though, has always held and holds today much symbolism. Advent symbolizes the church's present situation in these last days. And these last days are described in Acts by Luke. Um, Paul calls them the last days in Hebrews. These last days are the days that we wait for the return of Christ in glory to consummate his eternal kingdom. The church today is actually in a similar situation to Israel at the end of the Old Testament, in exile, waiting and hoping and prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Israel looked back to God's past gracious actions on their behalf in leading them out of Egypt in the Exodus. And on that basis, they called for God once again to act for them. In the same way, the church during Advent looks back upon Christ's coming and celebration, while at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people and makes all things new. Oh, it is so good to be reminded. I love Advent. I love Christmas. Have you seen Advent wreaths with the candles? Do you have one? We do. The Advent wreath first appeared in Germany. It's been around for about 200 years. It has four candles, and as you probably already know, a new candle is lit on each of the four Sundays before Christmas. Each candle represents something different. The four candles traditionally represent hope, faith, joy, and peace. And often the first, second, and fourth candles are purple, and the third one is rose-colored. For those not from a liturgical background, sometimes all the candles are red. I used all red candles last year because they matched the other Christmas things in our house, but it really threw John. He loves tradition. So this year, it's back to purple. My family celebrated Advent while I was growing up. I fondly remember gathering around the Advent wreath on our knees. It was a little table, a little end table. So our family would circle about it. And whoever got to light the candle, which was a big thrill, got to choose who we would pray for at the end of our prayers. And they got to blow out the candles, which is, I don't know, there's just something cool about blowing out the candles. 
my mom wanted to instill in us hearts that wanted to serve. So she instigated Advent angels in our family. We secretly drew names and then we did kind stuff for one another, like like sneak in and make their bed when they weren't looking. And on Christmas Eve, we would guess who ours was. It was really fun and really fun to think of nice things to do and then sneak in to do them without being seen. In my new family with John, we didn't do Advent angels with our sons, but we did have an Advent wreath. My children would gather around the lighted candles. Well, one got to light the candles, and then they got to pick who we were going to pray for. And they also got to pick three carols that we would sing at the end. And yes, they got to blow out the candles. So everybody loved if it was their night. I can still so easily picture their young faces lit by the warm glow of candlelight, gathered seriously, soberly around the wreath, Christmas tree shining in the corner. Oh, those are holy, treasured memories. We did this every year, beginning when they were very young. I, I also have a video that's precious to me of when John's mom visited a few years ago at Christmas. She's passed now, but I have this video of where we are all gathered around the kitchen table in the candlelight, and she's singing the carols with us. I love it. Well, the years roll by, and now John and I are by ourselves. And I tell you what, it heightens our ache for the great day to come. We miss those sweet days with our treasured sons when they were young. Now John and my voices seem to echo off the walls in our unique, ardent, and off-key blends. And we hold on to the hope that in Christ, because of Christ, nothing is lost. Friends, remember, nothing is lost. So John and I continue to celebrate. We gather around our kitchen table at the close of the day and have added this ritual to our evening practice. And I love it. I love the lighting of the Advent candles. I love their glow, and I love their special significance. Remember, they represent the four weeks of Advent, and they're also a representation of the Christmas light that's approaching, getting brighter and brighter, bringing hope and peace into the struggle against darkness. But why are they purple? Why aren't they more Christmassy colored? Well, purple is the primary color of Advent. It's the color of royalty and the sovereignty of Christ. The presence of purple demonstrates the anticipation of the coming king. Okay, then. Purple it is. I want to tell you more about what they stand for. So the first candle, which is the color purple, symbolizes hope. It's sometimes called the prophecy candle in remembrance of the prophets, especially Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. It represents the expectation felt in anticipation of the coming Messiah. He is our hope. The second candle, also purple, represents faith. 
It's sometimes called the Bethlehem candle as a reminder of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem and their faith, their yes to God. The third candle is the pink one, and it symbolizes joy. It's called the shepherd's candle, and it's pink because rose is the liturgical color for joy, and it's meant to remind us of the joy that the world experienced at the birth of Christ and the abundant joy that is coming. The final candle, the purple one again, is called the angel's candle, and it symbolizes peace. It reminds us of the message of the angels, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and that the Prince of Peace is coming. Sometimes people place a white candle in the middle of the wreath. We do at our house. The white candle is traditionally lit on Christmas Eve, and it's called the Christ candle. So while Advent is certainly a time of celebration and anticipation of Christ's birth, I think you can hear that it's more than that. It's only in the shadow of Advent that the miracle of Christmas can be fully understood and appreciated. And it's only in the light of Christmas that the Christian life makes any sense. It is between the fulfilled promise of Christ's first coming and the yet-to-be-fulfilled promise of his second coming that Karl Barth penned these words. Unfulfilled and fulfilled promise are related to each other as are dawn and sunrise. It is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become Advent faith, the expectation of future revelation. Faith knows for whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold of a fulfilled promise. The Lord has come to earth and will come again. That's the essence of Advent. I want to take just a little time to go in a little deeper and and read what some of the scripture readings are for each Sunday of Advent. So again, the four weeks are broken down into themes, hope, peace, joy, and love. Other traditions, and what I'm going with today, are hope, faith, or prophecy, joy, peace, whichever way you want to honor it yourselves. You can't go wrong. And I never knew they stood for anything anyway for much of my life, so it's all good. The first week, though, is hope or promise. So let me read from Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Oh, just camp out there. 
That's so good. Let's do the second week, faith, or preparation, waiting, or prophecy. It looks forward to the second coming. Let's read from Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The third week is joy. You know the Christmas story really well, but let me read just a little bit from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while someone, Quirinius, was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own towns to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. So you know how it goes. The shepherds say, let's go. And they run to find Jesus. They see him with awe and with such joy, they tell everyone about their encounter. The fourth week is peace. From Luke 2, 13, 14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, 
peace to those on whom his favor rests. Talk about good news. If in your tradition you um, remember the candle as symbolizing love, a verse that goes great with that is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So see, whichever way you go, if you want to incorporate the lighting of the candles, you can't go wrong. Hope, peace, joy, love, or hope, faith, joy, peace, it's all fabulous. So hear me. Advent is a season to prepare for Jesus' coming. We prepare our homes. We prepare often with Christmas music, baking, selecting presents. Sometimes we lay out stockings to fill. It's good to prepare. And in all of it, we don't want to miss the invitation to intentionally prepare our hearts. I want to read an Advent prayer written by Renee Swope called The Manger of My Heart from Proverbs 31 Ministries. His prayer is such a beautiful way to help cut away from the distractions of the season and to open our hearts to prepare for the joy and hope of his birth. Here's her prayer. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your son from heaven. The first Christmas gift. It was the greatest gift ever. You came as a baby, born in a manger. Wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be opened to reveal your love to me. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth when he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in rags of earth. Emmanuel, God with us, your presence came that night, and angels announced, into your darkness, God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said to shepherds in the field. Speak to my heart today, Lord, and help me to yield. Make me like those shepherd boys, obedient to your call, Setting distractions and worries aside, to you I surrender them all. Surround me with your presence, Lord. I long to hear your voice. Clear my mind of countless concerns and all the holiday noise. Slow me down this Christmas. Let me not be in a rush. In the midst of parties and planning, I want to feel your hush. This Christmas, Jesus... Come to the manger of my heart. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within and around me as I unwrap your presence each day. Keep me close to you, Lord. In your wonderful name, I pray. I love the imagery of our heart being a manger for Jesus to rest in. Friends, because Christmas is so lovely, it can be all-consuming. The Advent season is the time of the year that sometimes gets lost in the bright lights of the Christmas season. 
but it's all about reflecting on how we can prepare our hearts and homes for Christ coming into the world as it is today and into our world as it is today. There's a lot going on in the world today. And I know there's a lot going on in your lives today. The pace doesn't stop. The needs don't stop. The pain and the suffering doesn't take a holiday. All of it, the ache, the longing, the desire, the loneliness, God asks us to invite him into the very center, the very center where he dwells. And maybe at this time of year, especially take up practices that help us to prepare the way of the Lord. Advent invites us to step away what can be a frenzied time, panics, pressure, shopping, holiday noise, or the increased desire and the increased loneliness, and to consider how we can commemorate the birth of Jesus one of the holiest times in our Christian faith, and to reflect on the triumphant return of Jesus soon and very soon. Some people use Advent calendars for the countdowns. Do you? We didn't really do that, but my, my children used to make a paper chain and it tore off one for each day as we approached Christmas. The focus being on what is coming on who is coming, and the anticipation and joy in it. It's such a good practice to develop and enjoy, one that continues long after the Advent season goes away. Christmas comes and Christmas goes, but we are called to always live in the hopeful anticipation of the coming of Christ. Advent is a season of expressed waiting waiting with open hands and rooted faith in the one who is faithful, waiting, oh, waiting. All I can say is ugh, because waiting for anything is hard. My grandchildren are waiting for Christmas. I'm waiting for a vacation, for some extended rest. I'm waiting for clarity and wisdom about the future, what God has for me. I'm waiting for answers. I'm waiting for the salvation of ones I love. I'm waiting for physical healing for myself and others. I'm waiting for my heart to be fully satisfied. I'm waiting to be completely transformed into the image of Christ, waiting and waiting and waiting and asking and praying and longing while I wait. Friends, waiting is not stagnant. It is not doing nothing, just hanging around, waiting. No, waiting is a verb. It is active. It is intentional. And ultimately, all of us are waiting for the invasion of our conquering Christ who came as a babe in a manger and who is coming again. Ah, let's turn our attention to him. Who is this Christ? John 1, 17 and 18 says, 
for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So let's pause and remember what has the one and only made known about the Father? Well, he's made known that he is good. He loves us with a sacrificial love. He withholds no truly good thing from us. He is jealous for us and longs to gather us to himself. He suffers on our behalf. We are the joy of his heart. He is perfect. He is wise beyond compare. He is abundant in his provision, beautiful beyond compare. He is compassionate, forgiving, fierce. He is jealous for us and for worship to be only given to the king. He loves it when we worship him. He wants our attention to be our first thing, to be our priority. He wants us to seek him, pursue him, ask him, to follow him without question. He's kind. He is humble. He is merciful to the downtrodden and brokenhearted. He is the God who intervenes. He is steadfast. He is a king who holds nothing back in the service of love. He is the servant of all. This is stunning beyond all comprehension. He is honest. He is trustworthy. He is truth. He is life. He is unending goodness. He is powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. He is the God who saves. He is worth our adoration. He is worth waiting for. Worthy is the Lamb. Remember, we are waiting for his promised return. He promised, guys, he is faithful and he is coming back. So we wait with eager expectation, not with deadened, resigned, unbelieving hearts. No, we wait with belief, belief that stretches us and deepens our ache. We wait for our one desire, for the desire of the nations to come, come into our longing, come into our ache, come into our need, come into the lives of those who so desperately need your intervention, God, come to our loved ones who have wandered, come to the people suffering around the world, come bring peace peace to our souls, peace to nations, peace to Jerusalem. Jesus, come. And Jesus, come back. King of kings, God of angel armies, we long for your return when you will make all things new. We wait. We wait with assurance. We wait with hope. We wait with joy. We wait with love. We wait with faith because we know how this story ends. We know how it ends. 
this Advent season, as we honor the coming of Christ and look to his coming again, may our eyes be fixed on him and our ears be alert and expectant to the blowing of the trumpet, the skies being rent open, and the King of glory returning in beautiful victory. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The fruit of Jesse, eternal Son, come. Jesus, come. So bless you, friends. Bless you in your waiting, in your preparing, and in your waiting with hope, and your waiting with confidence. Christ has come, and Christ will come again. Happy Advent. Merry Christmas. Love to you all. Hi, everyone. This is Stacy Burton, the producer of the Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Mm-hmm.